Hello and welcome back to the HR Sucks podcast. I'm your host, Katrina Gazarian. You all are in for a special treat with this episode as I had the privilege to talk to a very warm and inspiring individual. Vaughn Kohler, who is best known as the co-host of the MFCEO and Real AF podcast, has written a book and we get to talk about what inspired him to write it and what the mission of it is. Vaughn opens up about branding himself outside of the Andy Frisella company and how he figured out what ultimately makes him happy. Vaughn has a weekly newsletter every Sunday, which I personally subscribe to. So stay tuned and you'll find out why I find this dad joke loving pastor so cool. I hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. Today's episode is sponsored by Game Day HR. Game Day HR is changing the way the world thinks about HR. With capabilities to absorb a business's day-to-day HR tasks or support the current HR team, Game Day HR provides an affordable and efficient dedicated HR team to help push your business forward. Visit www.gamedayhr.com today to schedule a free That's right, free HR audit for your business. With Game Day HR, it's game day every day. Welcome to the HR Sucks podcast, where we'll get down to the good, the bad, and the crap of workplaces today. With me today is a former pastor and best known for being the co-host of the MFCEO and Real AF podcast with Andy Frisella and author of the new book, Sacred Drive, Biblical Principles for Pursuing Your God-Given Potential, Vaughn, the pastor of disaster, among other very inappropriate pastor nicknames, Kohler. <laughs> Vaughn, welcome to the show, finally. Thanks, Kat. Good to be here. It's been a long time coming, right? A long, t- a long time coming because you're a diva. I, I know. Well, and I, you know, it's funny that I'm on an HR Sucks podcast because I almost was not able to do this, and I knew you were going to kill me because the HR at my day job uh-huh. – uh, sent me something that said I had to do a bunch of online training for compliance. And so it was like the safe, safe child, uh, sexual abuse prohibit, you know, making sure you're all trained so that you avoid it. Cause I work in a ministry environment. And so it's, I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that they're worried about that. Right. But she happened to tell me that I had to do it and it had to be done like today. So, mm. and it's an hour or so work. And so I'm like, great. That's great. But I thought, well, if I tell Kat that I have to postpone again, I'm probably ending our friendship and forever. working relationship Done. forever. Yeah. Done. So Vaughn, a lot of people know you as the level-headed, although now that I know you more, yeah. I question that. Level-headed yeah. and even-tempered role on the Real AF podcast with Andy. Tell our listeners about the journey from that to writing and publishing this new book. Well, anybody who uh, listened to the MFCO project or still goes back and listens to them and anybody who listens to the Real AF, um, I think the thing that worked really well when Andy and I started recording together was this very interesting conjunction of this fire-breathing entrepreneur and this you know, somewhat conservative former pastor. 
And so it was this convergence of business slash entrepreneurship slash success and faith that I think really made the content compelling. Now, I mean, above all else, Andy makes the content compelling, right? But I think the interplay between us is is really good. And I think when I first started out, you know, I was really heavy on the faith piece. I didn't know hardly anything about business. I mean, I laugh because I actually had to look up what ROI meant. People kept on using ROI and I'm like, what does that mean? Rate of income? And, and so I felt like a complete moron. But what's really interesting is as we recorded episode after episode and we talked about business and we talked about um, personal development stuff, success stuff, I started you know, contributing my perspective on this and we realized just how much faith and business and spirituality and success and personal development and piety uh, is all sort of integrated or can be integrated. And so after five years of, of being on that show, I got really good at, at answering people's questions about business from a faith perspective and also showing people how spiritual principles actually undergirded a lot of the best practices and and greatest philosophies of business and entrepreneurship. And so after five years of that or so, um, and after getting all these questions and really above all, getting the question from a lot of faith, uh, faith-based people or spiritually minded people, I got the question a lot like, you know, I'm driven, I'm ambitious, I want to crush my goals uh, physically, economically, just in every area of my life, but I feel kind of guilty. You know, I feel guilty. Like, is there a way I can do this? Can I gain the whole world and not, and not lose my soul? And my answer is, yeah, absolutely. There's a way that we not only can be driven and, and committed to excellence, but that we should be driven and committed to excellence that not only results in our personal gain, but results in the glory of God and the good of the world. And so I started thinking about that more and more. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to write a book about this. I'm going to write a book about how to pursue your full potential, um, but to do it in a way that's not just to make money, to make a name for yourself, to gather friends to yourself, but to really honor God and and leave a, a lasting mark on on the planet. Um, and so I, you know, wrote the book. It's 17 pretty short chapters. Each one takes a biblical principle. It kind of integrates it with with personal development, success. And kind of shows how, you know, this is this is what you've heard from Tony Robbins, but whether he knows it or not, he got it from Jesus, <laughs> you know, or or this is what you heard from Andy, but whether you know it or not, it's been taught for centuries from, you know, saints and, and apostles, you know, so uh, I think it's a fascinating book. I, again, I read it, or excuse me, I wrote it in a way that I don't want it, I want it to be insightful and helpful to people, but it's not it's not a hard read. Like I said, short chapters, quick stories, try to unpack the basic principle and apply it to people's life with some uh, suggested resources at the end, as well as some um, questions for reflection. I love that. And, and you and I connected, or, I mean, early last year, I want to say, yeah. I yeah. had a question about religion and spiritual yeah. night. I was running something by you of like the, you know, I told you, I think I got high and I was watching Joe Rogan, and <laughs> Russell Brandt uh, talk. And, um, you know, they were talking about how God isn't like it's inside of you. They they don't necessarily be, or he doesn't necessarily believe that it there's like a physical heaven and hell that it's kind of like we're here. 
and it's really a mindset or, right. you know, how centered or being. aligned you are. Yeah. Exactly. So you and I talked about that, figured you were probably one of the better people to go to because I saw, you know, this environment when I've listened to some of the episodes, there's such a dichotomy between you and, you know, the Frisellas, I would say. <laughs> um, although you do get sucked into their jargon from time to time, which <laughs> makes me laugh. Um, but Although we're you, a lot of we're we're different sides of the same coin. I mean, Andy and, right. and Sal and I we're kindred spirits. We're definitely people who share the same values, but they they have a certain personality and delivery that I that I don't. We're just different personalities in the way we express things. But so I think there's I I definitely think that there's some differences between us, and that that's mm -hmm. what makes it so compelling. But Andy and I are a lot more alike than you might you might think. Oh no, I'm fully aware of that now. <laughs> I'm full, you know, Andy is just, you know, the Frisellas are just like, I, I, I hate, I don't know if they're gonna, but I think of like gorillas. Like they're just like, <laughs> I don't know if that's the most. They're like, flattering. just like two. I like, like the term tanks. They're tanks. No, you know? I, when I'm thinking of animals and you're like, Oh, an emu or something. <laughs> oh, great. Well, so you're not handing out compliments at all. Um, okay, I'll have to tell Andy. Yeah, you, you and Sal are gorillas and I'm an emu. That's, funny. That's great. So as you've I'm a out fox, that's what I am. I'm 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 crafty and, and, and witty and, you know, fast. I'm not really fast, though. I'm not a fast runner. You're not fat. I, I wouldn't yeah. consider. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. As you've branched out, you know, to build your own brand outside of Andy's, because it's kind of what you've been publicly known for. Yeah. What do you feel has been the biggest misconception about you when you connect with that audience outside of those platforms? Yeah. I don't know if I'd say it's a misconception as just something that I'd like to make sure isn't a confusion. And that is that, you know, when I'm on the MFCO project or when I'm on real AF, Andy values my opinion. He values my contribution. He's been very great about saying that to me and affirming that. But really at the end of the day, my role on that program is a co-host. I'm, I'm the play-by-play -play commentator. I, you know, direct the performance, so to speak, and keep, keep the conversation going. And so, yeah, there will be times that I, uh, speak my mind and there will be times that I add my little two cents, but my place is not really to, to debate or to challenge the, the main host. Uh, and so I, I think maybe people might be under the assumption that we just agree on everything and that uh, I'm just this little yes man that, that, you know, what Andy says goes. Now we certainly agree on the, the basics and the foundations of a lot of, you know, approach to life and, and how to live your life to the best possible way. But I think what I would want people to know is that I disagree a lot on, on certain things, or maybe not disagree, but I maybe we might take a different approach. And so like, if anybody is, is watching this or listening to this and, and thinks, oh, you know, Vaughn is going to kind of branch out and do, uh, build his brand and he's going to write a book. If they expect that to be a carbon copy of Andy Frisella, they're going to be sorely dissatisfied and disappointed because it's just not. Um, we have a lot of things. I mean, even just the things that we like to reference. I mean, I'm a literary guy. I even like poetry. I like 80s music. I'm not a big rap fan. Some of it I like. Andy loves the rap. I love the 80s music. I love me some Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. I'm definitely a child of the era of Reagan and Rambo. But um, so Andy so, loves yeah. the rap. Yeah. <laughs> 
That was that was so dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but um, but no, but so we have again. It's what's great about our friendship and in our our working relationship is that we have certain things in common, but we're also very different. And so, um, you know, I know most people don't. They expect me to be my own guy and do my own thing, but um. I think maybe, you know, who knows, maybe someday I'll have a podcast, I might address some of the same issues and give a little bit of a different take. And I, there's always going to be we call them asterisk holes. In uh, Andy and I have called the people that on, on the NMSCO, they, they always want to put a little asterisk by what you say and try to find some fault in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's going to be topics that I address um, that they're going to be like, Oh, what would Andy think? Well, Andy wants me to have an opinion. He doesn't want me to have his exact opinion. So, so that would be the biggest misconception is that it's not going to be a carbon copy of, of everything, you know, Andy believes or, or that real AF and MFCO are all about, but I, I think it will be a good variation of that. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I think that, that your relationship with the whole team and just how different all of you are is a testament of something that we try to pursue in the workplaces of our clients of you can all be different. You can believe in different things as long as the values are the same. And so when Mm -hmm. we talk to clients or employers who are looking to hire, we make sure that their values are developed and that they're integrated into the recruiting process. Cause you'll see people with the very pretty values on the wall. But then when you ask them, how, how are you measuring? How do you know that all of these people are living by these values when they come to work. I don't know. Yeah. And so it's, it's intention, right? That's why we know I, I get asked why values, why is this? Because it's become such a fluffy thing now, like these buzzwords, core values, but if you don't know how to use them, then of course they're irrelevant. But if you and I can have, you know, there's 10,000 different values you can have, but if you and I are prioritizing the same five or six, we're going to work really well together, no matter what our opinions are of, you know, certain political um, situations and things like that. Absolutely. And so I sounds like a great way to run a country. Wouldn't it be? It it sure (laughs) does. It sure does. Um, You know, so I loved, I love that relationship. I actually, prefer uh, to listen to the episodes that you're on because I really enjoy that balance. Even the change in tone of a voice, it kind of, it keeps me engaged. And, and so I think that's important. That's an important point. I think people need to understand is that you can be different, but still Mm -hmm. have a very loving, um, efficient working relationship just because you believe, you know, you have different opinions, but as long as your values are core. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel that personal development in of itself has become a religion, right? There, there, I feel like there are many more books and podcasts and, and shows about personal development or business development. Um, how does personal development and the work you do spiritually with Catholicism overlap? Mm-hmm. Well, I think at the end of the day, truth is truth, okay? So whether it's spoken by... Tony Robbins or Ed Milet or Andy Frisella, or whether it's spoken by Jesus, Mary, or Peter, truth is truth. Um, I went to a great Christian college just outside of Chicago um, named Wheaton College, and one of the mottos of Wheaton College is all truth is God's truth. And so the idea is that, yes, the Bible is the revelation of God to humankind, but God speaks through science, God speaks through art, God speaks through um, human relationships and different 
uh, areas of human learning. And so I think that um, the, the reason that they overlap and the reason that self-development has really become a religion uh, for some people uh, that, you know, in place of like Christianity or, or what other religion is because to, to a very great extent, uh, the, the really good noble practitioners of self-development are tapping into eternal truths. They're tapping into things that are just fact. And so um, I think it, that's why it's so satisfying for people. Now, to me, the difference is, is that I do think that, that personal development does lack something very essential. And that is that personal development is, is pretty much all principles and practices, you know, principles for how to got, live your life, principles for, uh, for how to operate in a way that you're going to get the most out of your time or, you know, increase your energy or what have you. And that's great. But to me, that will ultimately always fall short because it doesn't have what what Christianity, what true religion, the best religion has, which is an encounter with a person. So I can I can I can learn all I want to learn about uh, time management. But if I'm not encountering the person of God and, and engaging that relationship, my soul is just not going to be satisfied. Um, so I think that's what, that's what Christianity, that's, that's what Jesus offers that just getting a book on self-development is never gonna, never gonna satisfy. I mean, you, you might be able to build a business and, and be good with your time, but there's that ache in that, in that human heart. Uh, St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And, uh, and he meant, you know, basically you can look all over the world. You can try to find your, your, your peace and your joy in, in money and fame and whatever, it's just not going to satisfy uh, the way that a relationship with God will satisfy. Got it. And, and I know you and I have had conversations about, you know, what a pastor is supposed to be. Um, and, and it's something that I think HR suffers from as well. Mm -hmm. Like HR is supposed to be isolated and not friends with anybody and, and unbiased about all things and, you can't say ass and you, your bad words. And, you know, what, I mean, are you, I mean, I went, I set out to disrupt the whole space. Do you feel like you are in some ways disrupting this space? Yeah, I think, I think I feel like that a little bit. Um, let me say this, you know, I mentioned that, that training that I was supposed to do earlier today and I did do some of it. And, and honestly, it was pretty well put together, but again, it was the whole point of the training was to, basically tell church people what was appropriate and what what isn't and so a big and they dramatized it all you know that's what you do nowadays with these kind of documentaries there's a little drama it's like the sexual and, harassment treatment. yeah exactly <laughs> it's like well what hey, was really Cliff. sad what was really sad to me and and cat i know you're i know your heart i know you're gonna kind of resonate with me on this what was really sad to me when i watched it was that they they dramatized a case where like a tennis coach had a relationship with a, you know, female tennis player. And then another one was where a pastor ended up getting in an inappropriate relationship with a, you know, a little boy. Okay. What was really sad to me is that from a per, from a particular perspective, 90% of what they did was, was totally fine. Like mm -hmm. it, they made like the, the, both the coach and the, and the pastor made the person feel special, made the person feel loved, made the person feel, like there was, there was a hug. Like that's all in, in another age and time where maybe we had a basic sense of morality better than we do now. 
that was what you did. I mean, I got hugged by my youth pastor all the time and he never came on to me, you know? And so, um, and there was never anything questioned. So I think the difficulty in HR and in being in ministry now is that like, for instance, in, in, in a business setting, you know, we are human beings, we need touch. So, you know, this in HR, I know this in ministry that human beings, we are uh, people who need touch. We need appropriate touch. Like, and so in, in a, in, in the perfect situation, a boss and a, an employee or, or fellow employees who have established trust ought to be able to go, hey, I'm thinking about you. And that's fine. And that should be fine. But problem is, is that, you know, we've got a bunch of losers who have kind of ruined it for all of us um, because they've been inappropriate. And so now the appropriate people are, are held to these sort of almost like inhuman standards. It's the same thing in ministry. Like I had a, I mentioned my youth pastor, but I knew another guy in youth pastor who was a youth pastor for 20, 30 years and everybody loved him. And he was totally a man of integrity. There was never any question. Um, And girls used to go up and give him a big hug. And he used to tell me, he said, kids need hugs. They need hugs. So, you know, that's the, that's the problem that we're in right now is that People just don't know. There's been, there's a small group of people who have kind of ruined it for the rest of us. That most of us, I think, are able to be appropriate in the way that we interact with each other. But um, but now we're almost like estranged from one another. We don't want to touch each other. We don't want to we don't want to goof around. We want to don't want to joke. Um, and so now it's it, even worse with yeah. social distancing. Yeah, and social distancing. And but I mean, I I kind of rambled a little bit, and I'm not sure that I answered your question. But to answer your question about disrupting, um, you know, I do I do think that there are things that I can quote unquote get away with now that I'm not actually professional uh, professionally a pastor. That I'm not sure would have been a good idea when mm-hmm. I was a pastor. I think a pastor just simply held to a different standard and. I think that it's, it's gotta be, he's gotta be very careful not to put himself in positions that he could be accused um, or, or that he would allow himself to be tempted in in different ways. I think because I'm not within the, uh, you know, well, I mean, I work for a church now, but I'm not a pastor, but because I'm not specifically within the walls of a church and I'm not operating ministry, I have more freedom just to engage people where they're mm-hmm. at. You know, like I don't worry. And not that I really worried about this, but when I was a pastor, I probably, if I would have gone into a bar to meet with somebody, I probably would have been scanning around, making sure I didn't see anybody I knew. Um, and if I did, you know, explaining that I was there for ministry or something, mm-hmm. whereas now I don't, I'm not worried about that at all. And, and part of that too, honestly, was that I was at a fairly conservative church. Like the, 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 the two priests that I work with, they go to bars all the time with kids and they are well-loved and they are men of integrity and nobody questions, oh, why is that priest at a bar, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but I just, I've, I, Kat, I've always been the kind of person that regardless of where I am in life, I want to engage all sorts of different people. I don't want to just engage the conservative Catholic crowd. I want to engage the, I want to like, I want to have good, meaningful conversations with, you know, some gay rights activists. I want to have good, meaningful conversations with, you know, a flamethrowing CEO. I just, I really love engaging different kinds of people and, and having really down to earth conversations. Because for me, the problem with America right now is that we all say we want to influence each other, 
but all we do is spout our spout our opinions and say things just to inflame each other instead of sitting down and going, all right, let me hear your take. I want to hear about you. Mm -hmm. Give me your perspective. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to listen. And in my opinion, that's the way you influence people, not, not beating them in some debate, but you engage them, you, you ask them, you understand them. And then you say, Hey, well, this is kind of where I'm coming from. And that's where the real influence happens. I agree. And, and that's like one of the things that have been so disappointing about social media is that number one, the, the types of issues that are happening, there's just, they're, they're just too complex to try to get it out in a story or a caption or, you know what I mean? And yeah. I feel like you are just leaving out so much more context, so much more information um, and you're, and I call them like drive-bys. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you're just drive-by shooting people without explaining to them, like why you came on this street in the first place. Right. And, and what happens is, is, is people just, they eat it all up, you know, especially yeah. if it fits their agenda. And so there are people like me who we get criticized because, um, maybe we have influence or platform and, I don't really use it to talk about these issues because it's just not the place to talk about these issues. Um, and, and, and again, the podcast, great place to talk about these issues because we can actually have a two-way conversation. Right. Um, and that's, that has been like the most disappointing side of social media Mm -hmm. for me is, is that we're, we're only talking and we're not listening, right? We're only talking and we're seeing such a small part of it, but we're not taking the time to actually listen to the whole thing and come up with, okay, now I understand why you feel that way. Here's why I feel this way. And let's, what are our values? I I was on a call last night, um, with a group that I'm in and there, it was all new people all women from different places of the United States. There was a Dallas, um, Phoenix, I think Orange County, myself from LA and San Diego. And even though three of them are from California, politically speaking, they're actually very different areas. Um, and we weren't allowed to say what we did for a living. Mm. And we, the, the prompts were, we had to talk about examples of great leadership. And then what were the characteristics of those stories? And, and the moderator, she came up with these words, um, like empathy and, and transparency and all of these things that we all had mentioned from hearing these stories and come to find out what we have, we have this great communicate conversation. I, I, all of the women were phenomenal. They're, you know, hearing their stories and things like that. Um, of course, naturally you go, you find them on, on social media. Cause we're in this group together that we're in, you know, it's not cheap. It's, it's like, mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of in it. And um, turns out like we, I had very p- different political views than most of the women in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Had I seen, had I probably seen, I mean, yeah, I'm a little, I'm, I'm definitely a little more um, introspective um, and aware, but probably had I seen those like prior, I might have, I might have shown up to that meeting differently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. guarded or, you know what I mean? Right. So I thought that that was such an important thing that that group did, which is the purpose yeah. of the group is, is really to, you know, bring resolve to these huge issues, political education, 
economic mobility. And so I thought that was so important. I was thinking, how can we do this on a mass scale? You know, how can we, I I don't know, I don't want to know what you do for a living. I don't want to know what political, what your political agenda is. I I just want to know you, your experiences. And I, do you feel like that's similar to what you're trying to accomplish? That was, that's really well-spoken and, and, and for sure. Um, yeah, social media is a great tool, but it's it's a limited tool. And and you're right. It it, it there's something about it that ha, that basically evokes more just people sharing their opinion than listening. And that's not good communication. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, I'll take it even a step further. I have a classmate that I I'm not friends with him on Facebook. I just kind of lurk his page because he writes about things that I don't really agree with. But I have for the last year very, very patiently just read his stuff and I've seen his points. But what's really funny is that he's actually pretty fair and pretty logical. And yet I almost feel like I'm more entrenched in my position after reading all of his stuff because even though he's fair and logical, he's writing these, you know, three or four paragraph things. And to me, it's like, man, he really likes hearing seeing himself in print and man he likes sharing his own thoughts and so it's it's even though he's been polite and kind it's there's a part of me that's like so turned off by it and i've tried to figure out like why do i feel that way i feel that way because there's not the interaction mm-hmm. there's not him looking at me and saying so Vaughn, this is kind of where i'm coming from do you understand that yes it's just all text or all him recording a video. It's not, it's not two-way communication. And so even, even the good communication on Facebook and, and Instagram and all those other platforms, um, I still think that they, they inadvertently create division and entrenched positions. Oh know? yeah, me too. And, and it's so funny because um, like I'm in the middle politically, mm-hmm. right? If you, I don't believe polit- politics should be on a spectrum, like left or right. I don't even know how they came up. They came up with like left or right to begin mm-hmm. with. But- I'm in the middle biologically. Yeah. <laughs> I have an older brother and a younger brother. So I'm the middle son. There you go. Yeah. Um, so that was a dad joke, Kat. You're supposed to laugh. Oh, about it. yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll like record a laugh separately and stick it dad, in there that, The whole term dad joke is a new thing. It used to just be called genius. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't think that was, uh, I, I like when you were talking, I was like, so you're half donkey, half elephant. You know, you told me. <laughs> right. I was exactly. like, I was, cause I was talking politics, but right. I'm like in the middle. Mm-hmm. Some things I'm slightly left, some things slightly right. I am an entrepreneur, but I'm also a woman. A lot of women mm-hmm. tend to be left socially. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, you see these people who are like extremists, right? Right. And all I feel is you just don't know enough because right. if you knew, like if you, if you knew you understood the policies, you understood people, right? You have to know people psychologically, behaviorally. If you knew all of these things, you would probably be in the middle somewhere too, because mm-hmm. you would recognize both sides are doing things wrong. Right. Right. And you don't, you don't agree with it. And so, you know, I'll see these posts and it's like, Trump is just such a godly man. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) like now I just know, like, you don't know enough because even if you are like, even those people who like surged the Capitol the other Mm -hmm. day, 
I feel would at least agree of all the characteristics. I don't know if Godly would be probably in not. the top 100. Even his ardent supporters, I'm not sure would say that. Yeah. yeah so then I feel like <laughs> yeah. now you're just, this yeah. is like blind loyalty at this point. And, yeah. but that, that's what you're seeing though. It's just like, if you can't even come to the agreement that like, he's kind of an asshole. He's kind of a jerk. If you can't even like recognize that part of it, you just don't know enough. Yeah. That's why, honestly, I do really like the people that are like, hey, I think he's a total jackass, but I agree with his policies. You know, at least there's some awareness there that, you know, you know, but or I, even yeah. the broader spectrum of Republicans in general. Yeah. Right. It's like you could you could be a Republican and, you know, agree with their policies, but still not like him as right. the Republican party leader. Right. right? right. And, and I think, and that, again, that's very, I, you know, worldly at right. least to have like put some thought behind it, but. Well, I think what you're getting at real, real quick, I would just say, I think what you're getting at is that, you know, in, in, in our current climate, it, it's almost an insult to be considered a moderate or, and, and in some ways, sometimes that's appropriate because sometimes moderates are people who just waffle back and forth and they don't really stand for anything. But it's really interesting if you look at the history of like philosophy and theology. I mean, even way back to some of the ancient Greek myths where like the myth of um, Icarus and Daedalus where Daedalus makes, you know, he makes these uh, wings for his son so that he and he and his son can actually escape this, uh, this uh, maze that they're entrapped in. And he tells his son, don't fly too don't fly too low to the sea and don't too, fly too high to the sun because if you fly too low to the sea, it'll pull you in. If you fly too high to the sun, it'll melt and you'll fall to your death. He said, you got to just go in the middle, be a human being, go in the middle, find the best strike be between the two. And what does Icarus do? He ignores his dad and he flies high up the sun and it melts and he falls to his death. And the hmm. whole the whole point of that was the Greeks saying, listen, the middle way is is usually the way that works. And, uh, and even a lot of the, like Socrates, Plato, they talked about the golden mean, which is that virtue is usually a balance between two extremes. Like for instance, courage is the extreme between cowardice and warlikeness. So cowardice is never wanting to go to war at all. Warlikeness is valuing war over peace. Well, courage is the middle ground between those two things. And we really have lost the ability in our country to be like people of the golden mean prudent, you know, balanced, you know, and, and so I, I like what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's almost, it's not, kind of feels like you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you're, if you don't, yeah. you're damned, if you use your platform and you talk and you talk about yourself and all the things you're doing, because people are going to give their opinion, then you're damned. If you don't talk about certain things, you know, with the Armenian issue, um, that was going mm -hmm. on, I had countless Armenian people message me like, how come you're not talking about this? How come you're not using your platform? And I'm like, I'm donating money. Right. I'm jumping on, a, you know, a women's founders fund for Arme Armenian women's founders to try to help them become more innovative and, mm -hmm. and technological. But I just, I'll talk about it when I want to freaking talk yeah. about it. Like, right. you know, or, or even um, like what happened the other, you know, with the capital, it's like, how come you're right. not saying anything right. about it? I'm like, why? Like I do right. things in my own way, personally, on my own time. It doesn't mean that I don't care. I just don't feel this is the right way for me to talk about it. Yeah. And that's it. You I'm know? with you. I'm so with you. side note, it's so funny that I know two, I, you are one of two Armenian women that I've gotten to know from California. Do you know Tara, 
Tanya Kara. She's got influencer PRX. Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. So it must yeah. be a thing in California. But I'm the you gotta... HR Armenian. That's right. You are the HR Armenian. That was a very clever nickname, by the Thank way. Thank you. I Yeah. <laughs> so what... Tell me, um, what is your ultimate mission, like your why for this book, future projects? What are you world, trying to accomplish? World domination. The subject, I believe it. Subjection of all wills to my own. I believe oh. you're going to start a cult. I can feel it. You look like a cult. I leader. would love to start a cult. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> I mean, if it was dedicated to the right things, like, you know, kindness and goodness and all that stuff. No, um, no, honestly, um, there's a quote, great quote by uh, Pastor John Piper. It's God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And the Catholic catechism says it like this. He says that God is so gracious that he accomplishes his honor and our beatitudes simultaneously. What that means is, is that, there is a way to honor God and, and be happy at the same time. Those are not, those are not two opposing things. And so uh, really my greatest why is to do that, to, to be honoring to God and to be happy. But the way that I've chosen to do that, and, and I talked about this fairly recently, as you know, on my, on my newsletter, is that I've just realized that I am somebody who really likes pouring into people and helping them maximize their potential. And it sounds a little cliche, but like, I love hearing somebody's story. I like, after I listen to the story, I like sort of identifying the, the, the teachable moments of their, of their story that they can use to help people. I like helping them catalog their strengths and their talents and their gifts that they can use to, to help people. And I just, honestly, even when I was a pastor, what I was good at sometimes, which is kind of ironic, which I myself struggle a lot with, with just big depression and being down, but I was just really good at getting people not to give up just if they were just down and just knowing how to encourage them, knowing how to motivate them. And so being able to help other people do that really energizes me. And I know that I'm not unique in that, in the sense of a lot of people, uh, the way that they actually uh, nurture themselves is to, to, to provide exactly what they need for somebody else. Like what I mean by that is that one of the main reasons that Andy created 75 Hard is that he realized that he needed to be mentally tough mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and that he needed something to keep him fit and sharp and active and all that. So he did that for himself, but we all got the benefits for that. And so that's kind of where I'm at is that I, there's a lot of ways that I've kind of learned that if, if I can help other people pursue their potential, it motivates me to do the same thing. I like that. And I think that's important. And you know it, right? You know that it's not linear. You know that some days are tough and some days are easier. And so I think I always look at, look for that. Um, I remember reading a book of, I think it was like millionaire mindset or something. Mm -hmm. I can't remember, but it was just one of those books. And I do, I always do research on the author because I'm like, how much of this information <laughs> should I actually yeah. believe? And I did research. And I'm like, this person's not even a millionaire. Like, how right. are you? And I'm not trying to discount their, but I'm just, I just feel like right. you should have at least, like, I'm not going to be a woman go and write about like a man's, like how to deal with male menopausal, right. you know, right. like, right. because exactly. I just, ne I've never gone through it. So I'm, I'm, I think that's so good that I think you'll, you'll definitely drive an audience that is very loyal, radically loyal, because they know you've been through it. And so having that support mm -hmm. and knowing that that life experience is far more important than, you know, going and creating something that you've never needed or that mm -hmm. you've never cared to use. Yeah. 
Well, I appreciate that. I mean, the one thing I can say with a very, very clear conscience is that I am not perfect, but the one thing by God's grace that I've always, for the most part, it's not that I don't get frustrated at times, but I do genuinely care about people. Like I, I'm a sap. If I see some guy on the side of the road and like, I want to give money to him. I want to help him. Like if I, if I see somebody suffering, like I have a pretty high level of empathy. And so hopefully the people that read the book who, who follow me and hopefully they know that, that, that they know that while I do have a certain amount, you know, just like everybody, I have a limited amount of time and energy and resources and I have a family and four daughters. And if it's up to my wife, if it's up to my wife, I'll have five. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but I do care about them and I want to help them. So that's what Andy says is the key provide value to the world, help people, and you'll be successful. I agree. Where can listeners find you, your book, and all of that? Yeah, so vonkohler.com, just V-A-U-G-H-N-K-O-H-L-E-R. That's also my um, handle, whatever you call it, for uh, for Instagram, at Von Kohler. And uh, I, I'm, I mean, I'm on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, but I'm very, very seldom do anything on Twitter, but I'm on there. Um, just recently uh, extended into... LinkedIn, as you know, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that uh, I, I really looking back, I'm like, why did I neglect LinkedIn? That was really stupid Amazing. because there's a lot of coaching and consulting done on LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be more active. They can DM me there um, and I'll, I'll do my best to respond in a, in a quick and uh, meaningful way. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, you know, I do have the book coming out, but one of the things I really do encourage people to do is to go to my website and sign up for my newsletter because that is that is sort of on a on a week by week basis that's what's really important to me is is coming up with something really good that i send out sunday morning that's going to give people uh something to think about some encouragement i always say you know the the purpose of that newsletter is to help people um make the most of their life and help help them to pursue true uh, excuse me pursue happiness and success in a way that's true good and beautiful and so i know that's really broad but it's intentionally broad mm-hmm. um, because I just want people to read it and go, ah, that was really helpful. It's good. I was, I was, I subscribed to Thank it you. and I usually snapshot it and share, you know, my favorite parts with it. So I, I highly recommend everybody listening to go subscribe to Vaughn's newsletter. Um, I even, I don't usually check my emails on Sundays, um, but that's the one I will check. And if I can't read it, I'll start it. So I read it at some point because it's always really good. It's very vulnerable. Um, also, which I think it kind of gives you an inside look into your life and how you're feeling, as I'm sure a lot of people are feeling very similarly from time to time. So thank you so much yeah, uh, for being here, Vaughn. I'm so glad we got to connect um, and, and get you on the show. We talk pretty often now. I always say we're like besties and I'm waiting for you to help me live to my full potential of being Latina. So. <laughs> well, you got to dye the hair. You got to dye the hair. I mean, do Armenians, oh. are Armenians really naturally blonde? I don't think they are, but. Mike, I have cousins who are blonde and oh, really? wise. Yeah. Oh, I always yeah. thought Armenians were really dark, you know. No, like, some of them are. That, see, my it's friend like, Tanya, she's super dark, like, like really dark brown eyes and dark yeah. hair and everything. So. But then you're like, what is race anymore? We're, we're all so cross-pollinated, That's true. you know, there, there's <laughs> That's such a scientific way of saying, yeah. Like yeah. it, we all like, what is it anymore? We don't even, yeah. I'm like Armenian, maybe no. Egyptian. I yeah. don't know. It's yeah. who knows. W- one thing I did want to mention too, I, I, I apologize. I'm just going to tack this on is, is my book is, is slated to come out, um, 
end of January, early February. So it'll be available, I think, on Amazon, although I'm kind of feeling sort of a negative Amazon vibe. So Because they don't pay of, their taxes? Well, and, I, <laughs> and I'm kind of researching to see if there's any other options uh, in terms of a POD. Now, I did, like, I did get a legitimate publishing company to help me to do it, but I think I'm going to just do the in terms of the actual physical book, I think it's, I'm just going to do a print on demand rather than, and that goes into, I'm going to bore people, but that goes into, if you're ever thinking about doing a book, just remember, if you go with independent publishers, you got to pay for all those books to be made. If you're going to sell them wholesale, or if you're going to sell them, like distribute them the traditional way. And you can, even with Amazon taking so much of the profit, you can still make a really good uh, royalty if you just do print on demand. So I don't necessarily think it's a bad option, which is why I'm going that direction. But that's just a little extra for those. Yeah, look at that. Up. Future future authors yeah. listening. Wisink um, Press. They're awesome. Well we'll go we'll wait for we'll wait for that book to come out. We'll make sure to promote it um so people can get their hands on it. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at HR Sucks. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a beat.